pair of tickets to give away to see the Jays and Yankees. We'll do that at 11.30 along with Barker's back leg bits. We will deal with Tony LaRusse's decision yesterday in that uh, that game against the Dodgers huh. to intentionally walk Trey Turner on a 1-2. Surprises game. you that he did that, huh? Yeah, but then looking some of the numbers. Doesn't surprise me. I'm not saying I would have done it, but looking at some of the numbers and everything. And look, I admit my default reaction with Tony LaRusse is if he does something, then I don't like it. So, <laughs> I, 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 I'm being honest, that's that's. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a great point. It is. It is. Um, it's been a tough uh, man. It's been a tough week for geniuses, right? Between Joe Madden and and, uh, and Tony Larusa. Um. Anyhow, we'll deal with that in uh, Barker's back leg bits. My DMs are open. We've got we have a ton of questions for Barker, uh, and a lot. Uh, obviously, most of it focusing on Gabriel Moreno. Like this is I. I Vladdy's debut was a big deal, obviously. I mean, Vladdy's debut was covered by national media in the United yep. States. He had people trailing him. Um, but, man, Jays fans are... Like, I'm, I'm glad. I, I hope he does well. It's, Me I'm too. looking forward to seeing him. But, man, people are making a... And we're, we spent a whole show talking about it, but it's just people are really... People are really wrapped up about this. Like, I'm, I'm saying it's not like he's... The team's done okay without him. Um, I just don't know what people's expectations are for this guy. I, 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 I'll, I'll say, you know, my expectations are for him. I want the pitching staff. I, I want Gosman to figure out whatever he needs to figure out. I want to see Kikuchi pitching better. Mm-hmm. That's Those are my expectations. And I know, Barker, you're shaking your head. Mm-hmm. You need to see him hit. Absolutely. I need to see this team keep winning. I need to see the pitching work. Barker, you need to you see say, him. You hit. say Kikuchi has nothing to do with how the catcher calls a game. No, or, what? I don't. <clears throat> I don't want him to gum up the works. Nothing. Is what I'm saying. I, well, there's something to that, and they'll figure out the rhythm and timing of all that, and, and getting rid of the baseball. But I, I want to see him hit. Like all the talk is, you know, he's one of the better hitters at the minor level level for catchers. Okay, let's see it. And all that other stuff, you know as well as anybody. You're a hitter first when you come to the show. You just are. Like oh, uh, all yeah, that yeah. catching stuff and setting up and going to one knee and throwing dudes out, you're gonna do all that better if you're getting a foot down and getting it singing. What do you think he's looking forward to? More looking forward to catching that first pitch or standing at the plate and seeing that first first pitch? What do you think well, Moreno's depend- more well, looking forward I w- to? I would answer that it would depend on where he does it at. So he'll do it on the road. He might hit first, depending on where he hits right. in the lineup. Depending, so I, th- I think that's a that's a tough one. Okay. So if uh, if safety was a first baseman or a right fielder, I would say hitter first. But I think because he's a catcher, depending on, I would think he would hit what sixth, seventh, somewhere in that range. I mean, I, I would, I would guess that would, I would be guess somewhere where he would hit somewhere. You'd hit him where Jansen would normally hit at Not least eighth. to start. I think he hit eighth. Yeah. I mean, you, when you call up your top prospect, do you want to put him in the eight hole? I don't think that matters. Uh, does it? I don't think it matters. It would matter to me. <laughs> it mattered to me. I, when I I can tell you this, when, yeah, I, got, you when I first got called up, I wasn't hitting eighth. I was hitting somewhere like fifth or sixth. That's a big deal. When you're hitting eighth, it's a little different though because you were brought up. You admitted you were brought up, and you were brought up to be a run producer. He's brought up to be a catcher who supplies some offense, and it's not like <clears> he's coming up here with 20 home runs and triple A. He's got one home run and triple A, and he's making good contact. I think you put him Maybe. where you. Where, where you, but, but I mean, who the hell knows? Look, this team's had Santiago Espinal cleaning up. So, I mean, who the hell knows? Maybe somebody needs a day off. Maybe the sleep deprivation doctors have, have, you know, have, have arranged for some yeah. guy to have it. I just don't know. I, I do know this. He's probably not going to lead off. He's probably not going to hit second. He's probably not going to hit third. Other than that, 
nothing would surprise me. I well said. Sir, nothing well would said. surprise me. Well said. Nothing. But he ain't going to be one of those. I, and that, I would that, just and say that is interesting. not where you put the top prospect. Mm. That's just all I'm saying. You can mm, all you want, but I don't think the top prospect. I don't think that matters. Matters to the player. I don't think it matters as much in this case. It may not matter to the organization, but it matters to the player. Uh, David Singh of Sportsnet did a terrific article on um, on uh, uh, Gabriel Moreno, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to point it out because I didn't know this, but Luis Hurtado, who is has been the first base coach during this series, or was during the last series, because mm-hmm. Luis Rivera is at his son's grad, and of course, Bud is now at third base. Uh, Luis Hurtado has worked with Moreno an awful lot off in the off season, pardon me, in the minors he has. And, and David's piece is, is is really good. And I, and now I'm, you know, now you wonder about the timing, you know, Luis Hurtado has been here. He's the bull. He's one of the bullpen Mm -hmm. guys, I believe. And he does way more than that. I mean, you'll see him around. He'll be throwing BP and he's Swiss army knife. He's a Swiss army knife. There's, Mm -hmm. You know, there's the one thing I do like about the way the Blue Jays staff is set up is a lot of guys do a lot of things, and you generally sure you see how they do that. This organization, John Snyder, look where he's at with yep. the two big boys that are in their order. Hey, I thought it was yeah. interesting, so maybe there's something there. Luis Hurtado yeah. knows Makes him sense. well, and uh, he's going to be around just as John Schneider was around when Vladdy and Bo came up. Boom. Luis Hurtado's here with. Uh, uh, with Gabriel Moreno. As we mentioned, the Jays and Tigers start a three-game series tonight, the first of three. It will be Jose Barrios on the mound for the Jays, Elvin Rodriguez for the Detroit Tigers. A.J. Hinch is the manager of the Tigers, and he joins us on Bolero and Barker. A.J., thanks so much for taking time out of your day uh, to join us today. We appreciate it. We 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 trust you're doing well. Um, I don't. Yeah, no, I feel well. I would have, I would have preferred to play the Blue Jays a while back, not <laughs> not in the middle of the spinning. Well, so um, that's not, that's the that's the not so fun part. Yeah, well, you can't control the schedule though. You can only play that. What what are you told? You can only play the schedule you're given, right? Isn't that isn't right. isn't that the way right. it goes? Uh, I don't want you to give away any state secrets, but you were a former catcher. Uh, at some point, you made a major league debut. We may see Gabriel Moreno this weekend. Is there something is it is it harder for a catcher, AJ, to make his major league debut to break in in season than a posi- than any other position player? It, it is the hardest position in season. Um, now the benefit that Moreno will have is is having a couple of spring trainings with these guys and um, especially this year, you know Kevin Gosman comes to town and Brios is, is there and 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 all the different bullpen staff and bullpen arms that have come through there. A lot of this stuff's homegrown. A lot of this stuff, it was, they were in camp together and, and there's going to be some familiarity, but getting a, getting a catcher, a young catcher specifically up and running with all the responsibilities that come with, with being a catcher at the big league level. Uh, it's a challenge. Now, when you have an elite prospect like Moreno, it, it, it you know, it can, it could go fine. It doesn't make it impossible, but, um, there's going to be a lot on this young kid's plate. I, you know, I, again, I would rather them debut him next week <laughs> when, uh, when they're done with us because he's a terrific, good-looking, good-looking young player. Uh, but they'll have they have plenty of experience to to break him in. It's whether it's Dave Hudgens or or, or Schneider or Mark Babzinski, the, the staff there. I I I know really well, and um, he, he'll he'll enter a very comfortable environment. AJ, does it make it harder for a, a catcher to come up with a contending team? 
and do that? Um, a little bit. I mean, I, I think in, in general, talent is going to is going to be um, the winning factor here. I think the trust, building the trust with with the players, it, with the pitching staff, is is the number one goal for him. I know everybody's going to race to this kid, and again, it's just my one man's opinion, but. We're going to race to the numbers, and we want to watch. I mean, Adley Rutschman, uh, uh, Rutschman doing this in, in Baltimore. Like watching him interact with his pitchers as a manager, I'm more interested in than even the box score. He, he's he's going to get his hits. He's a terrific young player, but um, but if he catches Gosman tomorrow or Stripling on Sunday, or um, you know the guys next week, he, he's, the, the building the trust is going to be really important. And most he's going to get judged the most by probably how he hits, and that's what's so difficult about breaking in a catcher during the season is what, what Charlie's going to want from him and what the fans are going to want from him might be a little bit different. And, um, but, but, you know, winning or losing, that, that game is going to be, you know, decided. And, and I think the players that are there to win with Bichette and Guerrero having done this, Teo's a terrific influence. I know him from my days in Houston. Uh, George Springer, obviously. There, there's, he's got so, much people, so many people around him that will help him. Um, contending or not, it's going to be fun. AJ, I, I, I hope I'm not misspeaking here, but uh, I think Dan Schulman and Pat Tabler were talking about George Springer on one of the telecasts, and I think they had a they 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 said and it may have been Pat had a conversation with you earlier this year about Springer because a lot of us look at George Springer. Obviously, he's a leadoff, you know, a premier leadoff hitter, and we wonder if at some point George Springer doesn't become a middle of the order hitter. Now, if I'm not mistaken, did when when he was with you in Houston. Did you guys, like, how did you go about sort of deciding what you had with George as a hitter? Because you, did, right. I don't know, you guys didn't have to talk him into leading off, did you? But it's something you wanted? No, no, no. Yeah, explain yeah, the story. I, wanted, I, I moved him there. Right? I think I had him in the two-hole to begin with. He right. might have hit third. And, and I know traditionally, um, when you say you want a middle-of-the-order bat, it's funny, you have one. He just happens to lead off. Like, he's a middle-of-the-order bat. Make no mistake, when, he, when the lineup rolls around, and he hits, he's treated like a middle-of-the-order bat. I've watched Eovaldi in Boston throw him a first-pitch split. I've seen Chris Sale throw a first-pitch slider to him to start the game uh, back in Houston. Um, I've seen playoff games start for, you know, I think it was Bauer or Bieber or somebody threw a slow-breaking ball to start mm-hmm. the game. Like That in itself is one of the main reasons why George Springer is super dangerous at the top of the order. So, yes, I realize when he homers, everyone's like, oh, man, it could be 2 nothing or 3 nothing." But I don't think people appreciate the anxiousness and anxiety that comes with the first pitch of the game. From the very beginning of the game, George Springer's a difference maker. I'm very biased. He's like a he's like a nephew of mine or a son of mine that I I will love to the to the end of time. But I his influence on that team, the way he sets the tone at the top of the order with that power, speed, style of play. Um, yes, am I given you know, did I feel like I was giving up a few RBIs here or there, maybe a few runs. Yes. Was it worth it over 150-plus games he was going to play to, to have that competitive edge from the very first pitch of the game? Like, absolutely. AJ, now, whenever I look at your team offensively, it sort of reminds me of the start that the Blue Jays' offense got off to. You know, you had some injuries. The Blue Jays didn't have a ton of injuries, but you had guys not performing. And there's a fine line between, you know, trying to get a young player going and also winning. Is that been hard for you as right. a manager? Fine line there, right? You're, the expectations, that's a yes. that's sort of a big word, right? That's a, sort of a manager's job. You're, you're, you seem to be a great communicator. I guess that would be the one thing, communication. But also you're trying to win. And 
How hard has that been early in the season here to do that? It's been hard. No, it's been hard, and we, we, we definitely didn't swing the bat very well to start the year. And, and that, that's twofold. One, you lose a lot of close games. Our pitching's been very, very good. And so you look up at the board and like, man, that's a 3-2 three, two, three, three, two losses in a row in Houston. We had um, three one-run losses, I think, against the Twins. We had a one-run loss against the Dodgers. We, we were close enough because of our pitching to hang in there. We just couldn't quite get the offense going to produce enough runs. And that, that in itself produces the losses then the losses and the lack of hitting produces a, a, an anxiousness at the plate that gets us to start swinging outside the strike zone. What does swinging outside the strike zone do? It makes you have more losses. <laughs> like, so it kind of is a vicious cycle. And, and of any team that, that struggles offensively, you know, you, you wonder, you know, if there's just that one hit that you could get with second and third or the one little exhale that everybody can have after a big two out hit to take the lead late in the game. And, and while you're chasing that and chasing your numbers, like I, I kind of I joked with our media about a month ago. I'm like, I wish they would just black out the scoreboard and not show our players <laughs> the numbers. I think that would just, just just dramatically change their perspective. If they just didn't see, you know, the, the flash line or they just didn't see the the batting average up there that the fans get to see because that, that carries a big burden of pressure. And, and, and one thing I've learned in my years, and I wasn't a very good hitter as a player, but I – Tension doesn't help, you know, the, 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 the ability to hit. You need to be free. You need to be loose. You've got to be reactive. And the more we've chased numbers, the more we've chased pitches, and that's been a bad combo. Yeah, it's funny hearing you say that because we had Liam Hendricks on when the White Sox were in town, and he was raving about the scoreboard at the Rogers Center because it shows horizontal break <laughs> on his pitches. And he goes, yeah, I don't that's look right. at velocity. Right. I, I can turn around and see that, and I'd – Kevin and I were talking. I said, man, I don't know if I really want that deep a dive when I'm playing a game. You know, just what's the count and who's coming up is what it's I want. Incredible! It is incredible. I mean, it's, you know, almost a half the scoreboards around the league will show horizontal vertical break. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's incredible what the players really want nowadays. I, I, I think back to, like, you know, the, the good teams, you know, that I was on in Oakland. I was like, we never talked about that. We, never, we didn't have it. We didn't nope. think about it. We were just trying to get the guy out, but I um, players look for different things nowadays. It's funny to hear Hendricks say, like, if I'm him and I could throw 100, I wouldn't mind seeing 100 on that board. <laughs> yeah, I think he kind of takes it for granted almost, and he looks at the other stuff. Uh, AJ, you, you're in a unique position here because you're managing a team that, and I don't have to tell you this, you've got some terrific young players, some of the best prospects in the game, and you've also got a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, how do you go about handling that? Is it is it it can't be one size fits all, right? Or, or is it? Hundred percent. No, no, that's an absolute great, great point, and it's not one size fits all. I, you know, I, I, I joke with my player. I'll, I'll treat everybody fairly. I'm not going to treat everybody the same. Like Miguel Cabrera <laughs> has earned the, the right to, um, you know, to, to, to prepare himself as a 39 year old player is different. We had an 11:30 game the other day at Yankee Stadium. His preparation and what my expectations were for him is a lot different than Spencer Torkelson is playing for space. He's 22 years old, and we have a routine that we're trying to develop with him defensively where he's going to take ground balls and pick plays every day before the game. Well, when that 1130 rolls around and it's an, it's an Peacock game early, guess what? Guess that time goes a little bit early when we got to do our routine. But Spencer is a young prospect who's trying to find his way. Miguel, I have the ultimate trust that he's going to be able to be well. Now, Miguel prepares. It's a hour and a half, two hour program for him to get his body ready to play every night, mm. um, even as a DH. But I, you know, so I, I think as a manager, my job is to adapt to your team. And that, 
those messages, there's a common core message of how we play the game, what we represent, where in our uniform, and we represent the English D and the Illich family. But but how we how we get there is a little bit different, and you can't have a one-size-fits-all program because there's so many different personalities, so many different levels of experience, and and so many different messages. That can, what Torque is working on or what Willie Castro is learning in the outfield or Dad Cameron, who's, who's up here now in the big league, these guys are all – um, developing at this level, it's a little different with a guy like Miggy, who's um, a very special human, very special player, but um, has earned the right to kind of prepare how he prepared. Hey, Jay, I want to ask you about first impressions of, of Javi Baez, what you think of him as a player. But when I look at him from afar, you know, I look at a guy that's gotten paid, which is a, you know, a big deal for a player. Everybody wants to get paid. But then for me, offensively, I look for at a guy that may need to make some adjustments. You mentioned expanding. You know, he th- he he's a guy that thinks he can get barreled everything. If you throw it area code, he's right. going to swing at it and put it in play. But do you think he's capable you know, after being paid, there, there's something to that. You know, you've been around players that have been paid. The conversation's different. They act different. They go out and they play a little different. Do you think he's a guy that can make some offensive changes and make himself a better offensive player? I think he can, and I, and I think he has. In, in, in previous years, last year, we, we really think he found something in New York where he started swinging inside the strike zone a little bit better and, and not chasing. I, I think one of the things not spoken uh, about is these big monster deals. I mean, it's, you know, you wake up one day and you, and you have over a hundred million dollars coming to you. Um, not only do you see life a little differently, I think mm-hmm. people look at you a little differently and all of a sudden that struggle uh, is not as acceptable as guys work through it. Like, especially, I mean, I'll give you a good example. Torque's on the front end of this where he, you know, he got paid out of the draft, but he struggled just as much. And you have guys rooting for him a little bit more, not guys are the fans and the media and, the attention is like a little bit more positive. Javi Baez, who gets paid on the back end of, of performing at such a high level all these years, and now that leash is a little bit shorter. And I think that's the, what Javi's learning. Like, you know, that, that, that the expectation to perform and not have these, these droughts um, are pretty extreme. And, and he's going to have to do it. The league is not going to adjust. You look right now, we're going to face Barrios and Gosman. In stripling the next two days, I mean, three guys that have been in the league, they've been successful. Um, they've had some Cy Young, you know, type performances. They are not going to give in and just give a, a, a cookie right down the middle to Javi Baez. They're going to know exactly what their game plan is and execute. You can run into some young pitchers that will make a mistake, and, and Javi will get you. So the competition between the pitcher and hitter, specifically this weekend, um, I do believe Javi can make the adjustment as the, as the veteran pitchers try to expand. Uh, but that's that's the only answer. There's no other way of, <laughs> of of sugarcoating it or or making anybody feel any better. We've got to get him inside the strike zone, whether it's different messaging, different approaches, different plans. Um, and when he gets in the batter's box, he's got to buy in that he can he can do damage inside the strike zone. And it's the kiss of death to be a bad ball hitter, you <laughs> know, because I think you end up thinking you can hit anything. He did. He had two hits the other day. Both are outside the strike zone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, is that good job or bad job? Like when you're gonna are you gonna pat him on the back or continue to to try to get him inside the strike zone? It's a, it is a it, it's a it's an art of trying to get his confidence back and get him back in the strike zone. Both of those things will be will be a positive result. AJ, really good of you to join yeah. us today. Thanks so much, man. Terrific insight. Be well. Thanks, AJ. My my pleasure. Take care. Take care. That's AJ Hinch, manager of the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers and Jays will start a three game series tonight. Uh Jeff, you know, you know as well as anybody, when you get paid tons of money, 
the conversation's different. Like it's it's uh, just listen to AJ talk there. You know he's a good, he's a good talker. He's a good communicator. He's going to know how to pull a player over. And you, uh, Jose Altuve is the guy that I sort of look by as Altuve. Think they can hit everything. They have a uh, plate coverage is giant off the plate in off the plate. Like they think they can get barrel to a lot of things. AJ's been through that. Just Baez is not getting as many hits as Altuve gets. How would the conversation be? How do you start the conversation? Oh, by the way, we just paid you a ton of money. We paid you a ton of money because of what you did in the past. But what you're doing now, because you're expanding too much, is probably not going to work here. And oh, by remember, this big park that we play in doesn't play well for you expanding like that because you're not getting to the sweet spot as much. So I just wonder how that's going to go See, there. I would almost, uh, and, and this is... You're, you're viewing it as someone who got paid to play. I'm viewing it as someone who never played. But I often wonder if giving somebody a lot, like you got to know the guy you give the long-term contract to. And I often wonder if that's one of the issues. When you give a long-term contract to a player who is from your organization, you have a lot of institutional knowledge about that player. You know what mm-hmm. floats his boat. You know what his weaknesses are. When you're signing a free agent, you're, you know, you're accumulating information from outside the organization. I always thought that if you, if you give a guy a long-term contract, in some ways, and I'm going to use Kikuchi as an example, because I know we talk about that contract. If I'm, you say, Kikuchi, I'm guaranteed that I'm going to be paid that much money over the next three years. So wouldn't I be more open to Pete Walker coming to me and telling me this? Because if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, it's not like it's costing me money. I I, I think okay. it's, I think it can kind of be a two-edged sword. But but uh, I you know the, I love the way AJ talked about having your bias. The problem with guys who are quote unquote bad ball hitters is every now and then they hit one of those pitches yeah. and they go, I'm a bad ball. Everybody said I was a bad ball yeah, hitter. Yeah. And what do bad ball hitters think they can hit? They can hit any bad ball. So then you expand. Let me flip the you say thing back around to you. Okay, you say, if I'm having a conversation, I'm Pete Walker, you're you say, and I say I come to you and I give you rain to go out and show me what you got the first, say, two starts. I like the cutter. I'm going to throw that thing. I'm going to throw it all the time. You know, all the time strong, but most mm-hmm. of the time I'm in trouble. They're getting it. Okay, you've showed me that. I, that's not going to work here. So if I'm Pete Walker, I walk up to him in so many words and say, I know what you got paid. But that's not going to work here in the American League East. There's no chance you're going to do that to a bunch of dominant right-handed you, hitters in this division. That's what I mean. You've got and to, that player's going to go, oh, guess what? I just got three for $36 million yeah, doing you know it what? that way. You got to, that's the conversation. You got to, you got to, know, you got to know the guy. And that's when you, when you bring that guy in. Look, it's not like this is a surprise. I'm sure when the Jays signed you say Kikuchi, they knew it. it's not like they're getting a guy coming off a Cy Young year. They're getting they're off not. a guy who wasn't good enough I'm with you. to be in his and so I'm sure they did their their due diligence. I'm sure they dug into what type of guy he is. Will he make changes? You know, you look at the the, the guys, the pitchers they've brought in from outside the organization, and look at the changes they've made. Stripling, I mean, they they made a, and I understand these are all trades as well as free agent signing. Stripling's a guy they brought in. He has been easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Right? Gossman is a guy they brought in. He looks like he's going to be easy to work with. Barrios, I mean, Barrios's reputation is as a guy that is easy to work with. Mm-hmm. So they've done, I think they've done a pretty good job of identifying the guys. But Kevin, I also think, I, I you may feel differently. I also think it's harder to try to get a hitter to change. Because a hitter's doing it every day. If you're a starting pitcher, we got four days. You know what? I may let you. 
I may not talk to you the first day after your bad start because I can see that you're chapped and mm-hmm. I may I may wait the third day when we go out in the bullpen and I I might say hey listen let's you know let's let's think about this for a bit but you can't do that with a hitter you can't do that with a hitter who's 0 for four and 0 for now he's 0 for eight and now you got to have the approach. I'm with sure the they paid some of that money. They gave him some of that money too for edge. He brings an edge to the Tigers that they haven't had in a while. That's right. And some of that money, you know, it's just not performance. It's the edge. A lot comes with Javi Baez. Like, it's just the, you know, the the remote stopping thing. He may do something that you're like, I can't believe he just did that. And you're also sending a message to other teams that we're we're serious about free agents. There it is. So, you know, that money that he got is not all performance driven, but you want it to perform because of the number. Yeah. So how do you have the conversation to say, oh, yeah, we brought you here for that. But we also want you to perform at the highest level you can, and maybe you can't do it by thinking you can swing at everything in an area code. I, I yeah. he's a good talker. AJ is selling that might not be the easiest thing. It may not be. Well, it worked in Houston. It did, but those guys he came up with those guys. Like like they they were paid during the time that they were trying to figure out who. Altuve was That's like a great Bregman, point. who Bregman was. Yep. Like he was there with them. This fell in his lap, and now he's basically, I don't want to say changing it, big adjustments, and big adjustments sometimes are not easy for guys to take. We have got tickets to give away to see the Jays and Yankees next week. We've also got Barker's back leg bits. It is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, and as always, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I have a pair of tickets to give away to see the Jays and the Yankees on June 13th. No, June 17th at the Rogers Let Center. Friday, June 17th at the Rogers Center. Uh, Yesterday, we gave away tickets to see the Baltimore Orioles and the Jays, and the question we asked was, which Orioles player won the American League MVP award in 1991? The answer was Cal Ripken Jr. I know. I mean, every now and then. uh, Like, let's face it, it's hard to come up with Orioles trivia. It's tough. Because there is no more trivial team than the Orioles. Tremendous point. Anyhow. Uh, so this is to win tickets to see the Jays and Yankees at the Rogers Center on Friday, June 17th. The question is as follows. Who is the Yankees' all-time career leader in hits? Text the answer to 590-590 for your mm. shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Again, to win tickets to see the Jays and Yankees at the Rogers Center on June 17th. Who is the Yankees' all-time hits leader? Now, I got this really quickly, but because it's the Yankees, of course. You want to think about it too much. Well, you got to think about it. Because there's, unlike the Orioles, there is, I mean, Yankees. It's like when you open the Yankees, uh, you open the Yankees game notes. You know, the game notes they give the media every day. Now, I mean, some game notes, it's, you know, so-and-so is five for five, you know, five for eight in his last two, blah, blah, blah. But the Yankees game notes are always, uh Aaron Judge has hit four home runs in the last week, which leaves him 12th amongst all Yankees hitters and home runs in the week of June 3rd to 10th. And then, of course, it's Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, ba-ba, da 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 You know, so that's... So you got to be careful with mm-hmm. with, uh, with Yankees trivia because there's always... 
you know, chances are you can answer Babe Ruth to a lot of them or, or, or Joe DiMaggio. But you can't do this one. <laughs> no. Huh. The Yankees' all-time leader in career hits. You know what time it is, Barker? It's a little early today, but we can do it. It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. Mr. Gann, thank you very much for joining us. Be honest, you don't remember Kevin Barker as a player, do you? It's like 50 years ago we played. Good morning, guys. No, I drink too much. Well, I saw you in 2005 hit homers off scoreboards in the International League, Uh so I, I know how you roll. Yeah, yeah, you were. I do roll that way. You were a terror in the international uh, leagues. In went the, from drinking to hitting homers off scoreboards. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, DMs are uh, always open for Barker's back leg bits. It's the point in the show where you get to ask Mister Barker questions. Now we've got luckily, luckily, um, Michael, whose Twitter handle is Mike underscore Jays fan. You don't even know this. Mike, but you solved an issue for the show with your question. Because mm. we wanted to talk about the Tony La Russa thing. And for those of you who don't know, yesterday, uh, up 7-5, Tony La Russa put Trey Turner on the sixth inning? Seventh yeah, inning. Sixth inning. The, on a 1-2 pitch, he intentionally walked Trey Turner to bring Max Muncy to the plate. Now, the pitcher he had in the mound, Bennett Sosa, that's, that's has correct. reverse splits. So he walked, he, he's got... Sosa versus, or Sousa, Sousa, God, Sousa, 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 Sousa. Sousa on the mound against Trey Turner, intentionally walks him. Up comes Max Muncy, not doing much this year. Max Muncy, of course, hits a three-run home run, sure runs did. around the bases, and as he gets to the, crosses the plate, love it. essentially says, walk him on a one-two pitch, bleep you, bleep. Awesome. And of course, it's it's gone viral. I mean, it's because sure it th- there's nothing unites baseball fans more than a dislike of Tony Larusa. There's, there's, there's some dislike there. There is there's there is. there's some dislike there. I mean, there's the Buck Showalter stuff, which is just kind of roll your eyes. Right, that's Buck thought you. he invented the game and yada yada and all that it. stuff. That, but it's just with Buck, it's like good clean fun. It's good clean fun. You with still Buck. sort of quietly root for him. No. But it's just like good, clean fun with Buck Showalter. Tony Larusa, there's a little, there's kind of a darker, kind of a darker edge form to it to him. Anyhow, so Tony Larusa was asked about this following the game yesterday, and uh, well, this was Tony Larusa's answer. Can you explain the uh, the thought process on the intentional walk with um... with to, to Turner? Can I just cut for a minute? Good writer trick. Explain the thought process. Don't say, what were you thinking? Seriously, journalism 101. Don't think, what were you thinking? No. But can you explain the thought process? Because automatically you are basically giving your, the, the person the benefit of the doubt. You're saying, you, you're saying, I know you didn't screw up. You were thinking about this. Anyhow, sorry, continue. Ah. To, to Turner? Turner. So let me ask you a question. Well, is, there, is there some question about whether that was a good move or not? Absolutely. I guess at one two is the question. The count you know what he hits against left hand pitching with one oh one or two strikes? You know what he hits? Yeah. Well, you know what Muncie hits with two strikes with against left hand pitcher? I mean, is that really a question? Because it was one and two. Turner with a, a strike left against a left hander is not something you can avoid if you can. And we had an open base, and Muncie happened to be the guy behind him, and that's a better matchup. Again, somebody disagrees. That's that's the beauty of this game. Welcome to it. 
But that, that wasn't a tough call. Was there a reason to wait until 1-2, though? Not huh? right was there a reason to not do it right away and wait till 1-2? Well, that's when, they, that's when the, the pitch got away. Well, there you go. Well, at least he had an answer. Uh, and the pitch did get away because that moved Freddie Freeman. But the, the players, you can always tell by the players' reaction, right, Park? Like Freddie Freeman standing in second base, and he's talking to, to is it Mendick or whatever, and you can tell that they're kind of, and, and Trey Turner didn't know what to do. He, uh, he, he didn't know what to do. It's like, come on, you, you really? Can I just stand here for another pitch? Anyhow, go ahead. I, well, again, I want to be oh, nice. Because the question, sorry. Michael's question is, how do the players react when the manager makes an unusual move that backfires? It didn't really backfire. They were losing. Like, if they were to have been, I'll flip it on the other end of this. If they were to have been winning and he had done that and they lost because of that. They're already losing 7-5. Absolutely. So they're already losing. If they give up more runs, does it really matter? He's trying to keep it close. I guess it's his theory there. I wasn't wouldn't have been what I would have done because that's that ba- you're basically telling your pitcher you're not good enough to get him out. What's Trey Turner hitting? I have no, two strikes. You look. We no, I didn't at look it up. Oh, I, I didn't oh, okay. look that up. I thought you you said that there was. Uh, I couldn't get past the. I, I, I was talking about the lefty. All right, that was a reverse splits. He's better against righties than he is lefties. That's right. That's, that's the that's whole what I was point. Saying. So the yeah yeah I know right. the league average against two strikes about a buck buck seventy like your chances of getting a hit with two strikes but basically ain't real good yeah you want you want so so Souza so, as a, uh, as a lefty with reverse splits you'd rather have him face so you're you're saying that your pitcher is good enough to get to yeah. two strikes but you have no chance with two strikes against this guy yeah, that's, that's basically what you're telling that guy message. and you want to win a World Series I guess with one this a guy like that on the mound. Or, or, or the, again. But how does the team <laughs> does it, react? I don't think it. I think they're so used to it with him. They're so used to seeing him. I'm sure they've heard conversations, had conversations with him, you know, on planes and in clubhouses about certain situations, and they walk away going, hey, it's all a famer. So, I, you know, they probably take it with, you do your job, I'll try and do mine. That's what it sort of came to or coming to. Um, did I answer that or? Yeah, no, I, I have no. Have, have it's, you, a, it's a hard, it's a hard have question you ever to answer. Been, have you ever been? Because we, we don't ever see that. <laughs> do guys? Here's the thing. Well, guys are guys more likely to react to something like that in the clubhouse after the game than they are in the dugout. I'm at sure the time Freddie of the Freeman's game. are okay. If they can react to that stuff like that. Yeah. Kevin Barker couldn't. If I were going to react to it, you couldn't see it. I'd be doing it in my locker and, and be like to my buddy. You see what you did right there. Freddie Freeman can visibly say or act or look yeah. like, hey, you, what's that dude smoking? <laughs> That's basically what they said, right? I'm sure. But, again, it, it, there's a he's a Hall of Famer, so you want to respect that. You want to respect the thought process that goes on between his ears. It's not something I'd have done. But if he thinks that's what he has to do to win games against the best team in baseball, one of the best team in the National League, don't yell at me, Yankee fans. Best team in the National League, then go for it. Do what you have to. Uh, Lloyd Rick on Twitter. I kind of like that. Lloyd Rick. It's got kind of a Welsh sound to it. Rolls off the tongue. Does Kevin think last year, this this was the guy I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Does Kevin think last year was an outlier for Vladdy and what we're seeing this year is closer to the player he will be long-term? It's actually Devin in Nova Scotia who goes by the name. Devin. Boydrick. I Well, I would I would have a follow-up question. What's your expectations for Vladdy? Mine, and I said this, is Albert Pujols, 330 and 100 every single year till he retires. Well, till at least he gets up into his 
upper 30s. At mm-hmm. least I just think he's that good of a right-handed hitter. But baseball's changed. Shift has changed. How you attack hitters has changed. Since Albert Pujols did the 330 and 100. It, quiet, it is the hard... To be a really legit hitter that we expect to win triple crowns. Now, Vladdy coming out and saying, actually saying that he has to win a triple crown to, to win the MVP in the American League because of the unicorn. And I would say that unicorn that's standing in right field in Yankee Stadium, so he's a unicorn too. He's, you know, he's almost seven feet tall and doing the things he's doing offensively. That, that's a unicorn too. I just don't – got to ask yourself, what's the expectations going in each one of these seasons? Is it run producer? Is it average? Is it the best hitter on the team? Is it all the above? Like you gotta you gotta define what you think Vladdy is. I've come out and said that, and I think that's what I'm gonna stick to. I just think Vladdy, beginning of the season, because his team struggled the way they did, tried to be what he's not capable of being. He's not an area code guy. He's not Javi Baez that thinks he can get barrel to all that stuff. He has too many moving parts. Ain't happening. I just think that beginning of the season has really hurt Vladdy. Now Vladdy has been sort of punched in the jaw a little bit when it comes to what Vladdy's trying to be, and now it's time to make some adjustments. And so again, this this gets back to you have to answer your own question on what you think Vladdy is. Jeff, I'll ask you, what's I'm, Vladdy? I, I think Vladdy. What's your expectations with Vladdy? My Vladdy is my my Vladdy. My expectations for Vladdy is someone who. Uh, is more than capable of winning a triple crown and, like you, should be looking at this stage in his career to be Albert Pujols. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I expect, mm-hmm. uh, I, expect a, I, I expect an accidental 30 homers. Now, I'll go to, I, I expect 40 homers. This year, this, year I expected, this, year, this year, I expected 40 homers, an average of about 320, and a ton, a ton, a ton of RBIs. He'll, st- and, he'll still hit, and, and I expected uh, he'll still hit almost forty. And I and I wanted an OPS around around a thousand with Flatty. I he he's to me he has to be one of the one of the three or four best hitters in the American League. My expectations for for him have changed a bit now, in terms of average they've changed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm with you. I it, he should start every year looking to be Albert Pujols. There's 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 absolutely no reason for him not to. And, and there's no reason for fans not to look at him that way. Having said that, you know, there are going to be outlier seasons. There are going to be years. Okay, let me ask there you are a going question. to be years where, where, but where guys aren't going to post those numbers. I'm going to throw a question at everybody. If Vladdy hits 260 with 35 homers and drives in 96 runs, good year? The Jays go to the playoffs? Ah, they're going to the playoffs. Do the Jays win the World Series? It's a, See, because what I'm there's saying, a, there's some luck there. What he does in the regular season has nothing to do yeah. with what he's going to do in the playoffs. Because you're going to face the best of the right. best, but in the playoffs. But what I'm saying is, this year for me is about going to the World Series. Regular season numbers. Forget about playoffs. Whether it's, for me, they're going. If they don't go, things are happening. Yeah, I mean, just it, regular season. If he if, if he hits what I just said, he hits. That's a good season for Vladdy. If. Uh, and he plays, and he plays the type of defense. Plays 155 plus you know games. What? Yeah, I mean, is it a good season? No, that that average isn't isn't that that average isn't a good average. So you're for saying him. that's a bad season? No, I'm not saying it's a bad season. Uh, it's it's not a bad season. If the team wins, if he does that, and the team finishes third, then maybe. But if the well, team they, has, they got a real good chance of finishing third in the American League. No, East. but I'm saying uh, whatever. What I, what I mean is, 
are life and death to make the playoffs. Let me rephrase it. Then it's a mm. bad season. If they go out in the first round, then it's a bad season. But other than that, no. Um, if they do well and they go to the World Series and he's hitting that, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Expectations around Vladdy may not be realistic. Well, I also, that's why I, I also said 30 and 100 because that's doable. You could oops and hit 30 because of the talent he has. Yeah. I, you know, I, I will also say this. It's a good question, though. Oh, it is a good question. It is. Um, you know, Vladdy, we are getting to a point with this organization where I think a lot of your reputation is going to be made on what you do in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I think this team is going to be going to the postseason for the next four or five years. I, I, I don't see why they I sure just don't see why they wouldn't. And and I will say this that Vladdy is good enough that by the end of his Jays career, whenever it happens, he will be judged on what he did in the postseason. Maybe because I think this core is going to be judged by what they did in the postseason. We're we're we are a year away from well, we're already there. People have already accepted going to the playoffs as an as an inevitability for this team. We just are. And it's it's going to get to the point where you're going to be judged by what you do in the postseason. And if Vladdy does that, let's say he finishes the year with those numbers and then has a, has a tremendous postseason. Then you look back, you go, you know what? That that was good. That was a good year. If Vladdy does that and then goes one for 13 in the postseason, then... I mean, it's a long answer. It's a complicated question. It, it is. It depends on your, it depends on your expectations for Vladdy and for the team. My mm-hmm. expectations for the team, I think, are a little more advanced. He doesn't than have my to hit three hundred for, for them to make the playoffs. No, he may have to hit thirty plus homers and drive in close to hundred for them to make the playoffs. How about that? Yep. Dave Anthony, uh, what is the ideal per inning pitch count for a starter? Does it change from early game to late game? Is that talked about as part of the game plan going in? You know, I, I wish I'd, I'd, I took some numbers down from uh, from Kevin Gossman's starts early in the year and, 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 and talking about pitch efficiency. Hey, Kevin, I don't know how you, how you feel about it. Um, you know, I've kind of, if you look at a first inning, for example, retiring, what, 15 pitches in the first inning? How is that for you? If, if you can get is, if you I, well, can get a guy out, if elite, you can get three, if you can get it, the side out in fifteen be honest, pitches, elite pitchers average about fifteen an inning. Yeah, that's elite. That's your top tier. Because guys. then you're looking at fifteen. I mean, even well, I don't even know about that because fifteen pitches an inning Nobody, that takes you. Nobody's going to nine nine innings. Yeah, you're right. Nobody's going nine innings. You, but, but it's it's how many how many quality pitches they can give you from about that zero to 75 pitch mark. That's about where it's at from about 75 on is when it starts to go. Yeah. So that zero to 75, the quality of that, how does that look? Well, depend on how much longer of a leash you have from 75 to say 90. Cause I'll tell you, Kevin Gosman is about Lights out from zero to 75, from 75 to 90, 95. I don't want to say falling off a cliff, but he's peeking over the edge. And he's about to lean over it and fall over it. So that, that's what they, that's about how it is. It's not so much innings. It's about how they look. It's about how easy they get through it. It's about number pitches per inning. It's about, you know, you're looking at that. Dan O'Dowd came on and said, you, you, you know, you look at taking a guy out if he's got three innings where he throws 30 pitches or more in inning. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, you're working hard. I mean, that's you say Kikuchi. That's hard. 
to get through those innings. Me, I would say if he's giving you half of that, you know, the the, the ears are going to poke up and you're going to start to think he doesn't have command of something. He's falling behind a ton, and that gets you through closer to that third time through. Yeah, Most aren't getting a lot through third time through. They're just not. No, to me, a lot depends, too, on if if your pitcher can give you one of those those magical five or eight pitch innings where, you know, quick sure. round out, quick fly ball, strike out or something like that. That, know, that, that to me is the, is the telling point. Like, yeah, I'm a big believer in efficiency, but if you can give me, if you can give me a quick inning in the third or fourth inning of a game, then I might be thinking I'm going to let you go. An Alec, extra Manoa, inning. Alec Manoa is a prime example. When he struggles, his struggles are like 18, 19 pitches an inning. That's when he's, that's his struggle. Yep. Most of the time he's 13 to 15, somewhere in that range. And he'll give you a, because they ought to be aggressive early because he's got the sneaky hater. It's hidden. He's going to have the five or six, seven pitch innings. But it's, again, they have so many khakis trying to figure out what it looks like when it doesn't look good that they sometimes don't look at how it does look good. Huh? Did yeah. that make it? That's, that's sort of, sometimes they, they're thinking about so much about how it looks when it looks bad that they forget it's right in front of you. Pay attention to that. And sometimes sample size is still a lot. Kareem in Ottawa, Barker, how do most big league hitters recognize a breaking pitch versus a fastball? Spin, arm slot, or guessing? No, I'm, I was never a guesser. I hated guessing because I always wanted to be on time with the hater. If I was in an athletic position to hit velocity, I could recognize breaking ball later and still give myself a chance to drive that into left center field. Uh, so I was never a guesser. I was. I'm not that. I'm not the right guy to to talk to about guessing. I think guessing, uh, you know, creates two forty, two fifty averages. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Look, if I was hitting two fifty nowadays, you'd be hitting cleanup for most teams. Uh, arm slot, arm slots, different arm slots will be tipping pitches. Mm. So you ain't gonna do that. So it's either. Uh, again, there's a, some people on on. Uh, let me see if I can get over here where you're seeing it. People with arm slots all the same. They want it to always look the same. If I'm hitting and I'm facing Barrios, who is a spin-first, thinker-first guy, he wants to think about spinning it. Even his two-seamer, it's got to come off the fingers. It's spinning in a different direction other than the way the four-seamer's looking. So the arm slot will always be the same, all right? So that as a hitter, you're going to basically look at the same. You're going to look in, the, in an area. You're not going to so much look because the, the, the arm is so quick, Jeff, that it's very hard to see yeah. that. I mean, I got really good vision. I can't see that. So you're basically, as a hitter, you're looking in an area. You want to see it coming out of his hand in an area, and you're trying to judge on can you see it coming off the fingers sooner, whether it be breaking ball, and most of the time you can't because now it's about tunneling. It is about how hard they get on you, and you tend to see the breaking ball later. That's why I always say if you're teaching a young person how to hit, don't guess. Get them in an athletic position to be able to recognize ball out of, I say ball, not breaking ball, not fastball, not change up. If you can recognize ball out of the hand and you're in an athletic position to where you can throw top hand at baseball, all the other stuff will take care of itself. And then all of a sudden it gets down to now I just swinging at a strike. Right? It's not so much where the pitch, what the pitch is. It's I'm ready to hit velocity, and now I look in an area. A.J. Hinch is a, I don't want to say genius, but he's borderline. What did he talk about? 
swinging at your pitch. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Young people, that's what you think of. Don't so more, much worry about whether it's a breaking ball, whether it's a fastball. Your athletic position and look in that general area, and if it's not there till two strikes, you take it. It's sort of baseball 101, but you see a lot of big leaders who who either can't do that or are not buying into doing that or who don't want to do that and who are trying to hit the ball over the shift. Everything tends to come back around to the shift, don't I it? can't wait until we're doing this next year and there's no shift. What the hell well, are we going to talk how about? Many ball, how many balls? How many gonna How many inside-out hits the other way are you going to see a ton? And the averages are going to go up, and the 300 hitter is going to matter again. So just for me, I'm all for it. That's just me. How many, how many more advantages do a, does a, a pitcher need? You got every advantage known to man. Did you? Uh, do you need another one? Did you see, by the way, that they're using that uh, they've been using tacky, experimenting with tacky uh, baseballs well, in Double they? A. Why wouldn't they want later break on secondary pitches? No, but I think that that's that's part of this whole crackdown on uh, on substances, right? Yeah, I know how much you hate the umpire coming over and I'll miss that. The Boy, I'll tell you what, the game needs more of that. You're the only person that that just... Justice. I just can't. So Man, per- it's just, so I'm performative. Can't. It's so performative. It's just so performative. Uh, that is it for us today. We will be back on Monday. Mr. Barker and myself will have Blue Jays talk Sunday following the Jays game against the Tigers. Do not forget the first of three between the Jays and Tigers tonight. If you're in the area, go to the game at Comerica Park, man. It's a great yard. Have a great afternoon.